Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Episode 10 of the Dirtbag Dugout podcast. Officially in our double digits. It is June the 20th. Last day before summer. Nate, totally a vibe over there. My secondhand man, Dirtbag Extraordinaire. How you feeling, man? Halfway into June. Or, well, actually, three quarters into June, actually. Fantastic, Tony. How are you, my man? I'm doing good, man. Just trying to wrap my head around the last couple of weeks of June, just showing us a bunch of craziness around, around the league. I mean, uh, I really don't know where you want to start. Probably the standings and just go from there. Yes, let's jump right into standings because we have a team who has hit the 50-win threshold. That's the Tampa Bay Rays, 51-24 and 24 as of today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? You got the Rangers 45 and 27. 45 wins. Getting close, man. Minnesota leads their respective with 36 wins. literally under 500 that whole that whole division has been just such a circus show and if you hop over to the national league it's basically the same deal i mean at least the top two teams are above 500 but every other team i mean i'm looking at you cardinals same deal about to hit that 50 loss mark pretty soon at 30 and 43 right now i mean uh is it something about the central in both in both leagues, it's just something about, I don't know, is something just going on this year? I really don't understand. I really would have thought, kind of leaning back into the AL Central, that the Guardians would have flipped their record at 33 and 38. I figured they would be closer to 40, but the fact that every single team is under 500 um, isn't a good feeling, at least when I think of the long game. When you think of who's going to be the wild card coming out of that or who's going to be leading that respective division into the playoffs, I mean, you could potentially have a sub-500 team. Even if they upset the somehow magically the team that they face, it's just uh, I don't know how that's going to shake up the league in – how do I want to say? It wouldn't be a good way. Like, regardless, like, it just feels like somebody's out of place and it's you, bro. Like – um, but leaning into standings, so I got two teams, at least on the National League side, that are surprising, and, well, I guess technically three teams that aren't doing too hot. So the two teams that are really surprising are the Diamondbacks leading the West at 44 and 29, three and a half games above the Giants, who have made progress and are now sitting in, in second place and are four and a half games above the Dodgers at 39 and 33. Um, I know I kind of leaned in before about the Cardinals being 30 and 43, dead last, eight games behind the current first place team of the National League Central, and that is the Cincinnati freaking Reds. What are we doing here? I don't think anyone 
would have predicted that the Reds would be the division leaders before the All-Star break. But no, not at all. It's all about competitiveness, right? Like this is gonna be a competitive year. So mm-hmm. I guess it's it's good for the division in that respect. Kind of fun, right? Yeah. Cincinnati's leading the division. Hey, they're positive. They're positive on both on both ends. 18, eight, 18 and eighteen at home, twenty and seventeen away, uh nine and one of their last ten. Obviously they had that five game win streak, so a ride ride it when it's hot. I mean this is a division, like we said before, when the Cubs and obviously the Pirates had their hot start, obviously they fell off a bit. But this is a division where you put a couple of series together, obviously like that, you get that 9-1 and one patch going. That little patch of games can take you from literally a fourth place, you know, kind of basement dwelling spot to all of a sudden, hey, you're on top. And, hey, it's, it's a half a game lead above the Brewers. Fine. May flip-flop by the end of the week. But the fact that even if you fall off a cliff for the rest of the year, the fact that there was a point in time, even if you had your moment of the sun, even if it was brief, you at least had it for even a week, at least a week, and you shook up the league or at least your own division. Um, speaking of the league, though, the other team that I was going to mention was the freaking Mets, man. 34 and 38, 4 and 6 in their last, uh, their last 10, 17 and 15 at home. 17 and 23 away. So clearly not getting it done on the road, barely breaking above 500 at home. Um, It's just, it's just been an abysmal first half. Uh, I would like to think that they turn it around by the second half, but basically my title of this episode in particular is what is going on with the Dodgers, Mets and Cardinals, because three teams we would have figured would have been 90 plus guaranteed are, are looking not too hot. Uh, I have a quick note regarding those three teams. Actually, a couple of teams. Let me make sure I get these, get this one right. So this was actually concerning the Astros as well, and the Yankees, which is another team on the American League side. We'll get to that in a second. But basically, 22 Yankees were 69 and 33. I want to say, I don't know if it was at this point or, or what, but basically... 22 Astros, 64 and 33. Right now they're sitting at 39 and 3, or at the time I took the notes. Same thing with the Dodgers, 79 and 33 for the 22 Dodgers and 23 Dodgers, 39 and 33. So basically already matching their losses, you know, give or take at a later point in the year. Um, obviously, it didn't show the Mets. This is more leaning towards Yankees and Dodgers, but uh, and Astros. But my main point being, is this a wake-up call for those teams that we normally and rightfully should expect more from? Especially, so let me get back out of that. So I had a look at this. More in the, all right, so look, for the payroll, since when, when we break it down by the numbers, the Mets... And the Dodgers, it is very fair of their fan bases to start asking very pointed questions about production or investment. Because right now the Mm -hmm. fans and the front office and the manager 
they are not getting return on investment. Not at all. Oh. I, I think uh, abysmal, you use the word abysmal. I can't think of a better word to describe what is happening, not only in St. Louis, but in L.A., in St. Uh, New York, right? So these are clubs who we said that the Mets were going to pull down 85, 90, 95 wins. They really stretched it well. Here they are limping along in their division in third. All right, 12 games back. Let's we are here June 20th, 12 games back. You're starting to that's a lot of ground to cover, even this early on. So yeah, and you're I mean, what's what's your best case scenario if you're if you're the Mets front office, you think it's going to be an inverse of last year where you had basically the 15 game lead and all of a sudden you dwindled down so where they started just losing mad games and obviously came down to a last minute uh, race for the, the Braves to obviously take the first place. Like, are you expecting the inverse where they suddenly implode and suddenly your 12 game skid or your 12 game deficit can just right ship like, but you got to think too that that also requires you to put in the work. It's one it's one thing to expect one team or the top team to suddenly implode, but you got to do your part too and win the freaking games. Like like how I said, seventeen and fifteen, especially at home, is not winning baseball. Yeah, you're above five hundred by two games, but seventeen and seventeen and twenty three on the inverse away, like that's that's again that's not going to help you. That's not going to help your case by any means. So. More than anything, you have to win the games. Don't I mean, yes, worry about the Braves. Worry about what they're doing because you want to catch them. But you have to worry about your own efforts, too, at the end of the day. You brought up the away records, right? So let's touch on Atlanta's 2-11. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a league-leading away record. All right? And then mm-hmm. Arizona at 21-11 away from home. Yep. Consistent success, uh, not just at home, but away. That's. Yep. Not to mention, they're the only team that hasn't been shut out, or they're the only team not to be shut out this year. Only team left. And we're talking June 20th, good t- almost 12 weeks, almost three months deep, looking, looking at the All Star break pretty pretty soon and you have yet to be shut out so at least to have enough offensive production to at least get on the board even if you lose five to one 12 to one a billion to one the fact that you can at least put something together even at your very lowest should speak volumes to not only the coaching not only the lineup but just what the entire organization is trying to accomplish this year i I would venture to say given the fact that they have a couple games lead even if it flip-flops if it doesn't whatever I think the Diamondbacks are actually kind of for real this year, or at least would lead you to think they are no longer the whipping boy of the West. It's solely going to rest on the shoulders of the Rockies, maybe the Giants, depending on what the rest of the year does. But the fact that the Diamondbacks are for real this year should let you know. I mean, we've said time and time again, this is a competitive league doing stuff, kind of leaning on the Mets too. Like 
you can't expect business as usual. You have to you have to perform because clearly if you don't, or much like the Dodgers or the Cardinals, whatever team we've mentioned, if you don't, there's going to be another team that shows up and that will put it on. You know, and maybe another reflection from seeing the Mets, the Cards, the Dodgers, uh, you know, perennial powerhouses in these precarious positions makes me kind of think that uh, it doesn't really matter how much money you've thrown into this. If there is no chemistry, no cohesion, um, no spark within the dugout, uh, you know, like Tampa's clearly got it. Uh, Minnesota, while completely drowning at sub-500 ball, they're leading their division. They've got it. The Rangers, right? They have an AL best away right now at 21-14. and Right? The the I knew Texas was going to do something this season in comparison to where they've been in the past. But to find this much success away from home gives credence to kind of what they're doing yeah it's, it's another on the other side we were talking about diamondbacks being for real hey the the rangers are right there they are definitely for real i mean if you're looking specifically at the record i mean the astros 39 and 34 nothing to slouch at the fact that the the angels are a game and a half above them 41 and 33 kind of how we've been if you can put stuff together and nip at the hills, you can find yourself at a good second, you know, solid second place. Even more so for the Rangers, even with the Angels doing better, the fact that they're doing even better than better, it's definitely going to be a team to watch out for. I mean, the rest of this league is is going to have to be on notice. I mean, even how we've mentioned the Orioles, 44 and 27, same deal. That's another team to look for. Uh, I actually have a note about the ores if we have a second lean make sure i can pull it up but there's plenty of teams where as i just said time and time again if you don't want to step up believe me there are plenty of other teams that will uh as far as the Orioles are concerned though they were the first team in in mlb to 20 road wins uh their best start in franchise history when they hit 40 and 24 um obviously best catcher adley rushman a backstop potentially have at least three all-stars, best two relievers, second lowest payroll in baseball. So it's not about much how we were saying the inverse of the Mets, just throwing money. And sometimes that's what what it takes. I mean, you have to pay the dudes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying you could buy championships, but at the same time, like money kind of talks too, like in order to get the best guys. So the fact that they're doing it with the second lowest payroll, uh, I mean, it just is another, again, another feather in their cap for what they're accomplishing. So, again, that just leans right back into that argument that, hey, just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean other teams won't do it and do it for less. I'm glad you bring that up because Baltimore has a win percentage of 62%. Tampa is sitting at 68. All right, that's why Baltimore's five games back right now, all right? But the – I'm very happy to see a low payroll team who's, if they stay on this track, and I really believe they will, Baltimore makes the playoffs this year. 
in kind of a commanding fashion. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, they're not going to say it again, race, finish first. They find themselves wild card or whatever. The fact that they'll be in a solid, very solid, nothing to slouch at second place spot. Whoever's going to face them, you got to look out. Whatever that first round team is that you're facing, you got to look out, be it the Rangers, you know, on another American League side, Astros, you know, however they figure the the seating, whoever that first team is, you're probably going to have some trouble on your hands, especially if, much like you said, they stay hot. This is not a team to slouch at, to, to scoff at, to just expect, oh, and this is just another 100-loss Orioles team. Like, this is not that team anymore. Like, by any means, we've mentioned before, too, Solid farm system, solid prospect lineup, solid team, you know, currently, you know, within the lineup. So this is not going to be just another ho-hum Orioles team. Like this is going to be something that's going to be consecutively uh, successful as the years come by. So I'm excited for it, though. I'm, I'm ready for it this year. I think I think the league fans across the league are, are more than ready for it. I mean, it's it's time. It's been time. Um, so let's see. what Where else do you want to go? Because I got a couple of things about the A's. I mean, we've got some stuff about umps. You know what? Actually, while we were kind of on the Mets, I mentioned this. Uh, just continuing on with their woes. I know we didn't get a chance to mention it last week. Obviously, we had that little gap. Didn't line up in our schedules. But uh, the biggest thing I wanted to bring up, aside from those teams kind of doing lackluster, Unfortunately, Jacob deGrom, I'm going Tommy John, going to be out for at least a year. We probably won't see him until the end of next year. Um, so obviously a super heavy blow for the Mets as far as their aspirations this year. And more than likely next year, um, the fact that he probably won't have his rehab stint until July, maybe even early August. I mean, that basically shoots you down for the next I mean, obviously this season, but, you know, it pretty much puts you out. Or I'm sorry, the Mets. Um, for the Rangers, it puts – I mean, obviously they're doing well without him, but, I mean, that that's your ace. You don't want – you don't want to miss your ace. So that, that definitely adds a little bit of a challenge for the Rangers as far as obviously finishing out the rest of this year, obviously postseason, and kind of uh, – leans a lot into next year considering you're probably not going to see him again until august um do you think i mean obviously they've done well with him without him uh do you think that this is going to be a huge blow to them or how how do you how do you see this playing out for them especially this year? I mean, next year we kind of know it's going to be whatever but do you think this is going to have a big impact this year with the success the rangers are generating I can't see missing DeGrom. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, he is the ace in the hole that you're betting him when he is in the bullpen, okay? So, the fact that he's going to be out until, you know, uh, July time frame next, like, he's done so. Yeah. So, I, I'm... I think if their bullpen starts to undergo the stress and strain of the 162-game season, then his absence 
he's really going to be palpable. And they're going to, you know, wish that, nah, maybe we didn't Tommy Johnson, but it, it, it is what it is at this point. So he, he has to come on, he has to make sure that the rehab is lights out. He has to come back from this throw and smoke. Yeah. Regardless of the time frame, yeah, he's definitely gonna have to come back. It's it's not gonna be. I mean, yes, you want to make sure your dudes are healed up. You want to make sure they're one hundred percent. But also within that same thing, yeah, it's like, hey, bro, when you come back, whatever time frame that is, that's what we are expecting of you. We are obviously trying to right ship. If this year is any indication, I mean, we are not trying to be a seventy-five, seventy-seven, you know, sub eighty-one team. We are, I mean, already can easily pass that mark by the end of July, basically. Maybe even August could be looking at even a 90-win finish. We are definitely not trying to be that 70-80 to 80 win team. We need you to, I mean, obviously not be the only person on the mound. We're looking, but you are an integral piece. Absolutely. So, so yeah, more than anything, he's going to have to come back full full swing, full force, Um Obviously not overthrowing, but you know, we're yeah, if if we're the Rangers, we're we're gonna need that. We're gonna need you in. Cause I mean, you think how long they got him for a couple of years. It's not like we're just your rental, you know, it's a quick little three year deal, fine, take the year off, we'll the last year, year and a half, and you know, we'll sit in your merry way. It's like, no, this is a multi year deal for good reason. I mean, I'm not knocking that. It's just, hey, we're expecting this long term from you, so uh, absolutely. So there's another picture. There's another picture real quick. I want to mention uh, for better news. I know you're a big fan of the sweeper. Uh, Pirates pitcher Mitch Keller has this ridiculous 83 mile an hour sweeper. So not the fastest pitch, but enough zip on it. This thing, if you look at the video, uh, specifically on pitching ninja, and obviously if, if you guys are familiar with pitching ninja, you already know the absolute filth that he displays with random pictures across the league. This thing has a 24 inch. Like this thing breaks 24 inches. Like it starts all the way out. Like you're thinking what a slider does. This thing just zoop, like all the way across, man. This thing starts out way outside the zone. Like, like you would think if you put two boxes side to side, basically is almost halfway out into that second box and sweeps right back into the to the bottom well if you're looking at the overlay like if you're looking at the pitcher's view it goes hard right goes all the way back down into the into the bottom left of that second box so the actual batter's box so this thing breaks all the way out and sweeps down like it, this thing is a, a thing of beauty i highly suggest going back i haven't seen this absolutely go back look at this pitch this thing is filthy man as you were talking about it, Tony, I couldn't resist. I looked it up, and just the break, on the way it like blah, blah, yeah, like, the ball changes places on the hitter in a way that I haven't, you know, like the curveball changes places on a batter pretty well. This, mm-hmm. The way it moves. So dynamically across the strike zone, 
it's special. That is, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, a cutter that goes 87, 88, you know, where we're only getting six inches of vertical. If, if we're getting, I'm sorry, horizontal, if we're getting an 83 mile an hour, 23 inches of fucking snap break. Throw that pitch all over. room, man. Like, you guys really have to visualize, like, just, you think, okay, uh, for just visualization, obviously, a ruler, you got to think two ruler lengths of freaking movement. That's a lot of freaking movement, especially when you think, okay, cool, it's going to be way out hard left, and it just comes snapping back all the way hard, like, to the complete off end of, of where you think like, oh, this is an easy ball. Even if it's slow, quote, slow by fastball and two-seamer or whatever standards, the fact that you have ridiculous movement and it starts top, it's, you know, it's almost like that, almost like a slurve where you start top and it it curves and, and drops down on you. It's not only just the movement, but the vast amount of movement. It, it's It's... Man, I'm a sucker for great pitches like that. Like you, you and me both are on that same boat where I just love some of the filth that some of these dudes are able to do. And it just speaks volume to the dedication of the craft. Uh, like I was saying in the other episode, the fact that, yes, it is very much a hitter's league, but it is up to the pitchers to employ every every little thing that they have to make dudes look absolutely foolish. And I'm sure that this is going to continue this is going to continue to make dudes look foolish. This is maybe one of the better examples we have right now of a pitcher deploying the craft, making guys look silly. Because there are not a lot of guys in the game right now who can replicate a pitch with 23 inches of movement. Like, I, ah, I, there's just not a good way that we can relationally explain that. Yeah. The best thing I could do is say, hey, you just take that two rulers and just look at the difference in, in locations, one end to the other end, both of those. And that's about it. Because even then, the fact that you also have that thing coming at 83, it's it's one thing to just think about the difference in, in positioning, but then you think about the speed and dudes are looking for something and getting complete the combination of that and getting completely fooled thinking okay or it's some regular slider or it's some regular you know pitch that he's throwing for a ball like oh no zoop it just snaps back and that's a strike bro like wow i i can't again i cannot get over just the absolute filth that that dude is throwing so hats off to him for showing just yet another great pitch for dudes hopefully to keep employing i'm, I'm hoping to see more of this uh, if not this year from him specifically, just in general, just more pitch types, like stuff to just mix it up. Um, but while we're on pitchers, we're continuing on the theme of pitchers. Drew Smith, Mets pitcher, ejected for sticky stuff. However, an MLB rep said himself or herself, just themselves, said that they saw nothing. They, uh, the official looked at his hands, laughed, and said that there was nothing there. So, now hold on. I guess, uh, am I to believe that this is an on-site MLB official? Like, 
they're a league rep. I believe so. From what I'm, from what I read, yes. So I'm not yeah, sure if this is straight right. heading into the tunnel. Or it's like, hey, hey, check, like double check. I'm not sure what, because you know, obviously that that stuff is going to stay on. You can't immediately wash it off. I know. Uh, who was it? It was a few weeks back. Obviously, the re uh, one of the umps said somebody had some sticky stuff and that they still had trouble taking it off even, you know, later on in the game or afterwards or whatever. So I'm sure that there's no no easy way to take that stuff off. I mean, obviously, you could do, I'm sure, some tips and tricks with rubbing alcohol, blah, 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 whatever. I'm sure that there are ways to get it off somewhat easily if you already know what you're doing. But if you're the rep and you're looking for it, I'm sure you're already going to kind of see if there's any kind of residue. Obviously, MLB has some sort of protocol in place to be able to check. Obviously, that's how they kind of nabbed or tried to nab uh, Max Scherzer. But the fact that the rep themselves, you know, were quoted to say they saw nothing and laughed about it, like as in like laughing at the umps, um, I guess it's kind of too, too prompt. Um, how much more, how much does this lean back into that? Oh, it's the ump show. And so not, I guess they're kind of in the same, the same vein, but how do I want to ask this? Like, how much more are we going to keep seeing this where fine, I get it. It's your job to keep checking, to, to keep it all in the up and up. But how many more, more times are we going to see this? Obviously they got Max Scherzer for this. Now we have Drew Smith for supposed sticky stuff. Can we get some more accountability on this, especially when there's nothing? So that's what I think will get last is accountability to the league on the stickies. Because right now it feels like we're at the mercy of these crew chiefs who are just tossing guys willy-nilly. And then let, let, let's even say that he was trying to get the sticky stuff off before he ran into the rep. There would be an odor of like gojo or rubbing alcohol uh like yeah. something would be like genuinely oh you tried to get something off your hand now i guess the the thing is i haven't seen as many sticky stuff investigations in the season until this year yeah i don't believe it's that prevalent i just don't as a fan yeah, it doesn't seem like there's been there's been as many. Even if you figure, okay, this first half of, of the year, I don't think there's been as many in general. Like, yeah, usually here two or three ever seem to be a continuous problem, especially, again, leaning into that the ump show kind of deal where they just kind of take it upon themselves and there is no accountability. Um, just doesn't leave good feelings for how the league is handling it in general, like within their own rules that they want to set, fine. But the fact, again, leaning into the Scherzer deal, you have dudes literally inside your guidelines, rosin and sweat. I mean, long-time tradition of using that to get the extra little grip, but clearly within the rules, and yet we're still trying to trying to hand-smack anybody. Anybody can get it indiscriminately. Like, uh, that doesn't leave good feelings for, again, how the league, how the umps are handling it, and whatever the future may hold for whatever rules they want to set regarding this. Like we can't even follow our own rules or we really don't even know what our own rules are. And we're just going to, we're going to find you. 
we're going to suspend you and no appeals. That's it. We're right all the time. Like that just, that's not going to be good for pitchers. Like players aren't, are obviously going to make their feelings felt. And as a fan, it's going to be hard to watch knowing that more shenanigans are being pulled. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good way to put it. And the fact that it's harder to watch knowing that, you know, crew chiefs and crews are organizing shenanigans to say that sticky Mm -hmm. stuff is existing when, you know, you have a league rep who is audibly laughing at the erroneous error that occurred by this group of guys. Like, it's frustrating as a fan. Uh, as, As we're closing down, I know we're plugging pitchers. I have to talk about, you know, as I know I love repping the north side of Chicago, but Lance Lynn, right, on the from the White Sox, right, fanned 16 in a loss to Seattle. All right. Mm-hmm. Still found a way around 16 Ks. Can we can we address that Lance Lynn made White Sox history with those Ks? Like Absolutely. That is, that is just dudes with the fact that the dude threw uh, – look, he got it done on 114 pitches. Sheesh. That's, you know, like, damn. And yet, uh, we kind of haven't been on the White Sox ass as much this year. That kind of – but – I think I think now the shift is just it's it's got to be that lineup. There. I mean, the shift, the blame shift has to kind of start shifting toward the actual lineup because, I mean, you have the dude doing everything in its power and you're literally sitting at 31 and 43. You're looking like you're going to touch the 50 loss mark. I mean, three and seven in your last 10, 17 and 18 at home. 14 and 25 away, especially the away. That's the biggest part that gets me like fine. Not saying it should be one or the other, but the fact that you can't get it done anywhere, um, even within this, for albeit terrible division, we'll just say for argument's sake, uh, even within a terrible division, you can't find ways to put wins together, especially when you have a historic performance. That's what gets me the most. Like you, you can't seem to to put it together when you have something. You know, something. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say out of your control but something that really doesn't have to do with the actual bats. You have a whole separate thing working in your favor and you can't meet them the other half. Like you can't meet them halfway on that. And I think that's kind of indicative of the woes that they're suffering right now, right? That uh, we have a pitcher who can fan 16, but we don't have any run support to help him get over the hump. So the White Sox, have to start producing uh, mm-hmm. a whole they just do um I don't I don't know why uh they aren't able to get it done especially in instances where you have a guy putting on an all-time career performance and he's worth like worthy of it deserved earned yeah. support and you can't generate any for him? Doesn't get it. Terrible. Yeah, you're absolutely right that we need to start looking at the lineup now. It's going to be rough. I mean, 
<laughs> Even, which is sad to say, that 75 win mark is starting to look like a very, very high out of reach mark for them. And that's sad to say. That's super sad to say. Um, maybe even indicative of, of the lower three teams. I mean, I know we're on the A's and I got other stuff, but I guess we can save that for next episode because it always seems something else with the A's. But uh, creeping up slowly on them is the Royals as well. About to hit that 50 loss mark as well. So they're right there. I know everybody's been on the A's ass. And I know the, the, the shift is starting to go towards the Royals. But again, even more so, you kind of look at, hey, maybe the Rockies, maybe even the White Sox. Like, there's a couple of other teams that might just be in that same threshold. And that's not a place you want to be when you when your threshold of the company you keep is literally the laughing stock of the league and will be considered probably one of the worst teams. Like that's, you know, in, in our lifetime, that's not the kind of company you want to keep. So again, yeah, the White Sox are definitely going to have to shift into gear, do something this, this, you know, second half of ball. I'm not expecting trades and all this craziness. I mean, unless they just decide to blow it up and, and, do an actual rebuild, I'm not expecting a whole lot from them, but certainly you cannot find yourself in that same company, especially if you want to be taken as, as a somewhat serious team. Like that's just not going to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Well, so I got, I got one last note. So whatever you got for me, man. I mean, uh, Joey Votto coming back from a 10 month injury rehab. Uh, mm-hmm. his return. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people got some type of gripe, complaint, feeling about Votto. It's just always good seeing a guy come back and right steps right back into the swing of things. Oh, especially with the Reds being in first place, they could definitely use that bat. They could definitely use the the veteran guy. Absolutely, uh, another veteran guy. So my last note: Andrew McCutcheon getting his two thousandth hit. Yeah, my last one. Yeah, huge. You know, just for Mr. Pirate to finally reach that milestone in that jersey with that organization, uh, it it Mm -hmm. sounds special. Uh, Anytime a guy hitting the 2K, like he's a ways off from 3K, but still. I mean, hey, if he stays for another or I don't want to say handful of years, but if he stays, you know, a significant amount of time, it could be another 3,000 hit dude. I mean, I don't know how many years he's been in. We'd have to look at that later on, but uh, definitely something to keep your eye on. I mean, especially if he decides to stay with the, uh, the Pirates. So a uh, good note to end on, though. I don't know if you have anything else. I got nothing else. We'll save the other stuff for next episode. Yeah, I got no save rounds here. All right, very well. All right, that's episode 10. Uh, episode 11 will be coming up pretty soon so as always i appreciate you guys listening and watching um and yeah we'll just get to it whenever we get to it so until then stay tuned our bags